7:18. Matthew records the same episode in Matthew 11 verse 2. And there in Matthew 11 verse 2, it is actually mentioned that John is in prison. But we're going to focus on Luke 7:18. We're going to notice uh, three sections as we look at John in prison. First, John's question to Jesus. He sends to Jesus. And then Jesus' response. So his question is from Luke 7, 18 to 20. And then Jesus responds, sends a message back to John in prison, Luke 7, 21 to 23. And then Jesus turns around then to the crowd and gives a great tribute to John. Luke 7, 24 to 28. So John in prison. Let's begin with this first section, John's question that he sends from prison. He sends two of his disciples to Jesus and he asks this question, are you the one who is to come or are we to look for another? That's his question. Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to look for another? John in prison. He is a bit confused. He's a little bit bewildered. He's having some second thoughts. And so let's have some thoughts about his second thoughts for a second. Okay. John has gone through much trial. His faith is being sorely tested at this time. And why shouldn't it be? He has stood for what is right. He has done his job in preparing the way for the Messiah. He has stood up against immorality. In fact, why is he in prison? Well, if you glance over to Mark chapter 6, 17 and 18, you see there that he had stood against and he had, he had dared to critique the morality or immorality of old King Herod. He said, it's not lawful for you to have the wife that you have. And so they threw John into prison. And there John is, confined to that lonely, dismal place, a dungeon about five miles from the Red Sea, a dungeon. And he's being tested. You know, James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Well, John is out of patience and he's not seeing much joy in his situation right now. In Revelation 3, 19, Jesus reminds us that, that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And who he chastens, he loves. But John's not feeling the love right now. John is in prison. He has done right, but everything seems wrong right now. Okay. Now, if you look right here in Luke 7, glance back a few verses, Jesus has just raised the son of a widow. 
And the reaction of that, if you look at Luke 7, 16 and 17, the, the reaction of that is, is tremendous. They're saying a great prophet is here and God has surely visited his people. And the report of this comes to John in prison through John's disciples. And perhaps John is wondering, well, where is some of that power for me? I'm here in prison. I'm hearing about the tremendous power of Christ. Why can't he use some of that power for my situation here? After all, I have done what I'm supposed to do. I have prepared the way. Why am I here in this prison? Perhaps John is saying something like, well, where's the punishment for the evildoers? The evildoers have taken me and put me in prison. Where are the punishment for the evildoers? John was taught to th think about this. You know, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10, John says, even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees and every tree, every tree that, that, that does not bear good fruit shall be cut down and thrown into the fire. John had preached that. John the Baptist had preached that. And he, maybe he's wondering, well, where is this punishment upon the evildoers? But here's what we know. Here's what we know. John is a bit confused. And so he sends this question to Jesus. Jesus, are you the one who's to come or should we look for another? This demonstrates for us that even the brave and true among us sometimes has some dark, dark nights of despair. Sometimes even the most faithful, even the most faithful sometimes we'll have dark nights of the soul. Sometimes the second thoughts and moments of confusion. Even the great prophets if you glance back to Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 8 and 9, you see Jeremiah having this dark night of the soul. Jeremiah says, God's word that I'm preaching has become a reproach to me all day long. It has become a derision to, for me all day long. I will no longer mention him. I will no longer speak in his name. Jeremiah 28 and 9. See, he was having a moment of despair Himself. What about the great prophet Elijah? 1 Kings 19 verse 3. Jezebel threatens the prophets. And what does Elijah do? He runs for his life. And he just keeps running. Beersheba all the way down to the Mount Horeb. The very Mount of God. See sometimes even the most faithful will have some second thoughts. It doesn't mean they've lost their faith. It doesn't mean they're running away from God. It just means this is the real humanity of the prophets. This is the real humanity of the prophets. It would do all of us a great deal of good to remember that each one of us are just like this. We are all human. We're all human Sometimes we lose sight of that. One of the great things about the Bible is that when we read the Bible, you can relate to the people of the Bible because they have their good times, they have their times of success, they have their dark times. This is the way life really is and this is God bringing us 
life in his name. So John is wondering, did I proclaim the right one? Have I been talking about the right one? Or have I, have I been talking about the right one? Have I been proclaiming the right one? But have I not done it in the right way? Lord, what is it I have done wrong? John's questions to Jesus. In the second place, Jesus' response back to John, verses 21 through 23. Jesus responds to John. He responds first, you know, John has sent his disciples. And so Jesus, in that very hour, you'll read for yourself, he begins to, he heals people who have various diseases. They're part of a plague. He cast out some some demon, demonic spirits. And then he said to those disciples, you go tell John this. You tell John that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and this, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. You go tell John that. In other words, Jesus is sending a message back to John. Say, John, read your Bible. Don't forget, remember the scriptures. Remember that I am the focal point of, of all the prophecies. You've been talking about it. Don't forget, read your Bible. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read what Jesus is talking about here. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Are you already there? Isaiah 29. 29. Here we go. Verses 18 and 19. Isaiah 29. 18 and 19. In that day, notice this prophecy, in that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 29, 18 and 19. Look at Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Then look at Isaiah 61, verse 1. Isaiah 61. In verse 1, the Spirit of God the Lord God, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening up of the prison uh, to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. Isaiah 61 Verses 1 and 2. In other words, Jesus sends a message back to John. And he says, John, don't forget the scriptures. 
Remember your learning. Read your Bible. Notice all the important things that Jesus mentioned there. How that the miracles would point out that this is the man of ministry. This is the Messiah who was coming. The lame would walk. The deaf shall hear. The blind uh, shall see. The lepers will be cleansed. The dead will be raised up. He had just raised the, the widow's son. The dead will be raised up. But this also, this also, John, the poor will have the gospel preached unto them. This would really resonate with John. The poor. It's the poor. It's those who are not attached to the things of this world. It's those who are able to let go of their pride. Those are the ones who will, who will be responding to the gospel. And that would bring John back to his true self. You know, we read in James 2 and verse 5, Has not God chosen the poor as to this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God. You see that there in James 2 verse 5. Has not God chosen the poor as to this world, rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom of God? Yes, yes he has. First thing he sends back to John is, read your Bible. And what a great message to us, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what John needed there in that dark dungeon. He needed this light of the word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I'm having a dark night of the soul, I need to open up God's word. I need to remember what I already know. Oftentimes when we're in some sort of strait, when we're in some sort of despair, it's amazing how our mind will just block out the very things we need to remember. And then this, the second message that Jesus sent to John. First, read your Bible, John. Second, remember this beatitude. There's, there are beatitudes just spread out in the Bible. Oftentimes we look at Matthew 5 and there's our beatitudes. But look at this one here in verse 23, Luke 7. What does it say? Luke 7, 23. Jesus gives us a beatitude. Blessed are those, John. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. There you are. There's your beatitude for the day. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. There are millions upon this planet who do not believe. They are not persuaded that Jesus is the one. Those by and large of a Jewish background, even in our day, do not believe that Jesus is the one. Those of a Muslim background do not believe that Jesus is the one. Okay. There are many today looking for heroes here and there who cannot believe for some reason or another that Jesus is the one. There are millions upon this planet who will say, well, Jesus is the one, but he's the one of many ones. He's okay, but there are others who are okay as well. Okay. And it just causes this part of the population to shrink in horror to think that you're saying there's only one, there's only one way. Okay. Well, we say that for good reason. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. Well, Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Okay. 
Ephesians 4, verse 5, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So there's good reason. Acts 4, verse 12 says, now, in no other man is salvation found. That's what it says. No one else. Salvation is found in no one else. I don't know how you get any. Acts 4, verse 12, it's not found in anyone else. Okay. But millions of the planet on this planet believe that, well, Jesus is okay, but there's others who are okay as well. Just, there are many paths to God. It's just not true. There are many on this planet who believe that God is being stingy, that God is lacking in grace because he's providing only one way. I mean, you believe that. They say, well, why, why would God be so stingy just to provide one way? Let me, let me ask it in a different way. Why? Should God provide any way at all? That's a real question. That's, what is it that we have done that would merit God being moved to provide any way of salvation at all? Just what is it that we have done? Much less for God to send His only begotten Son. You see, notice this beatitude, John. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And what about, the pro, what about the professing Christian who's afraid to stand up and to say that Jesus is the only one? What about that? wonder what Jesus would think about that. What does he think about that? What about the one who has bowed to the pressure of you're okay and I'm okay and let's all be happy together. Well, you'll be together all right, but not happy. It will be an eternal uh, torment. Are we fully persuaded that he is the one who has come and who is to come? And so we see Jesus here his message, his message back to John. John, read your Bible. John, remember I am the focal point of history. John, remember this beatitude. And then Jesus, after the messengers of John go back to tell John the message, Jesus turns around to the crowd and he gives a great tribute to John. There are three questions and two bold statements here. Three questions and two bold, stashes, bold statements. Now, the question is the same, but it's a different answer each time. So here we go. Verses 24 to 28. Okay. Jesus asked the crowd, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out there to see? Did you go out there to, did you go out there and expect to see a man falling apart? A man had, who had nothing to say? A man without faith? Did you, did you go out there? To see? Some of you older guys will remember the great pro golfer Lee Trevino. Lee, he was a great golfer, but also he had some character behind him. He wasn't boring, you know. And one time there was this lady who was following him around on, during a tournament and 
he would slap the ball, you know, 300 yards, and she would ooh and ah and ooh and ah. And then he'd get to the next hole, and he would slap the ball, ooh and ah and ooh and ah. Finally, Lee Trevino, Lee Trevino turned around and looked at her, and he said, what did you expect, ground balls? What did you come out here to see? A bunch of ground balls, a bunch of worm burners? I'm here, I'm a golfer. I'm supposed to slap this ball. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? What did you go out there and expect? Did you expect to see a, a, a reed? Did you, see, did you go out there to, to expect and see some swamp, swamp weed you know, being blown in the wind? Okay. This is not what you should have expected. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by, by the wind? No, John, much more than that. John is a, is a, he's a towering He's a huge tree, just full of strength is what John is. And he proved that over and over, especially there with Herod, Mark 6, 17 and 18. He looked to Herod and he said, it is not lawful for you to have her. How many people will be able to say that? How many people are willing to say that to an adulterous relationship? It is not lawful for you to have her. This is no weakling. This is a man who stands with God. He's not a reed shaken by the wind. What about us? There are so many warnings. So many warnings about this. James 1 verse 6 warns about being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Yeah. Ephesians 4 14 warns about being cared about, being, being like children, Cared about with every wind of doctrine. Every wind of doctrine. Elijah the great prophet looked at his people. 1 Kings 18 and verse 21. He said, how long will you limp between the two ways? If, if, God, if God is God, if, if the Lord is God, then, then follow Him, serve Him. If Baal be God, then follow Him and serve Him. But quit, quit limping between the two ways. Paul was in... Athens, Acts 17, 32 and 33. And he had preached the gospel. And here's the reaction. Some believe, just a few believe, but most of them mocked Paul. Others said, well, we'll hear you more about this matter later. Well, that's pretty pathetic. Acts chapter 24, 25, Paul stood before Felix and he reasoned with him concerning self-control and righteousness and judgment to come. And what, what did Felix say? He said, well, when I have a more convenient time, I might call upon you again. That's, see, that's, that's a weakling. That's a weakling. In Luke chapter 20, verses 3 to 7, Jesus is talking to some of these Jewish leaders. And he says, let me ask you a question. The baptism of John, is it from heaven or from men? And those Jewish leaders, they stepped back and said, now, wait. Wait just a minute. If we say from heaven, then he's going to say, why weren't you baptized of him? But if we say from men, then we're going to get stoned because all the people, they, they think of John being a prophet. And so the, the Jewish leaders come back to Jesus and say, we just can't say. You're talking about licking your finger and holding it up in the air just to see which, what am I supposed to do, what am I supposed to, which direction am I supposed to go, what am I supposed to say. Those, that was that. I mean, that was the Jewish leaders there. And we're not supposed to be like that at all. 
What did you go out into the wilderness to see? And a reed shaken by the wind. The second question of Jesus is, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A man clothed in soft clothing, soft raiment. Is that, did, you go, did you expect to go out there and see a man who dressed in soft clothing and he's, he's, he's living in luxury in, in the king's courts? Oh no, that's not what you went out to see. John was a rugged man. He was a rugged man. He was a man of the wilderness. He fed off of locusts and, and what else? Honey. I mean, he was a rugged man. This is not a soft man. Not a soft man at all. What are you talking about? John had seen soft living. And you know what he did with it? Well, look over with me to Mark chapter 6. I keep referring to Mark chapter 6. And it's such a place that illustrates what we're talking about here. Mark chapter 6, there he is, eight, verse 18, Mark 6, 18. John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias, Herodias, she held a, a grudge against John and wanted to put him to death. But she could not. Herod feared John. Well, verse 21, an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet. Here we are. This, this is that soft living we're talking about. He gave a banquet for his nobles and even some of the military commanders. Okay. These soft mili these military commanders lost their military ways. Soft living and leading men of Galilee. And for when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guest. And the king said to the girl, whatever you want, you just make a wish and I'll grant it to you. And then the girl's mother got together with her and they wanted the head of John the Baptist and there came the head of John the Baptist. What did John do in the face of soft living? He said, you need to repent and he lost his life for it. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A man clothed in soft clothing, reclining on a couch, eating grapes? No, this is a man of wilderness. This is a man of, this is a man of God. That's what this is. A man of God. Sometimes I think about this. You might see a preacher on a video and... He's sitting there and he's got a sweater on and he's got the fireplace in the background and he's contemplating what this scripture might mean and this scripture may not mean and he's got a smile on his face and he's looking all lovey-dovey and I'm thinking, he's not John the Baptist. That's not John. That's not gospel preaching. What is that? I don't know. But it's not John. He was a rugged man. Man of God. Years ago in a preacher school, the preachers were given an assignment. The assignment was to go out and find out what the public thinks of preachers. And they were not to read anything, but only find pictures. Go to cartoons, go to magazines, go to the TV. Don't read anything, just find pictures of preachers. And the result was, was as you would expect. 
the, the pictures were, were of, was a man, were, were of men of, who were wimps, men of no manliness, no, no standard, okay. catering to the whims of the people, trying to please people. That was the picture they found out there among all those pictures. That's not God's man. That's not God's man. The third question is, Jesus asked this question, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A prophet? Yes. Yes. And I say unto you, more than a prophet. Of course they were going out to see a prophet. There had not been a prophet for 400 years. There had not been a prophet since Malachi. Here is a true prophet of God. Finally, finally we've got a true prophet of God back on the scene now. Of course you went out to, to see a prophet, but I say in you much more than a prophet. Okay. What makes John much more than a prophet? Well, because he's not only a prophet, he's a subject of prophecy. Look in your Bible there, Luke 7, 27. Jesus quotes from Malachi 3, verse 1. Not only was John a prophet, but John was spoken of by the prophets as being the messenger who would come and prepare the way for the one. John was the one who was to prepare the way for the one. He's the messenger. Okay. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A prophet? Yes, but I say in you much more than a prophet. He was the herald of the Messiah. He was the one chosen to get the first century society ready for Jesus. And he did a great, great job. Now two bold statements here that Jesus gives. He says, I say unto you, among those who are born of women, there is none greater than John. And then he said this, but yet those who are least in the kingdom is greater than he. Two bold statements. Think about what he said there. None greater than John. Think about Moses, greater. Elijah, greater. Jeremiah, greater. Daniel, greater. There's just no one who has come on this earth like John. But yet, fast forward, bring it on down, the kingdom of God. Our day today, Jesus was pointing toward our day today. On this side of the cross, those of us who respond to our Lord, have greater blessings than that of John. I'm not saying that we're going to have a greater reward in heaven than John the Baptist. None of us will be there. We won't have a greater reward than John. But as far as life on earth right now, what we're able to experience, we're able to experience more of the spiritual blessings than John, but just simply because of where we're at in history. Where am I in history? Where am I before God? Am I in the kingdom? Am I in the body of our Lord? Am I there?
You know, Jesus sends these words to John. And John is about to die. Think about that. And Jesus knew this. Whatever he sends back to John will be John's, some of John's final words that he'll ever hear. Because they're about to take off his head. Take off his head. We are all about to die. Not that much longer. We're all going to be there. Are we listening to the words of our Savior? Am I persuaded that He is the one? And being so persuaded, am I willing to submit my life to Him? What more could He do to persuade me and you? Will you come this morning, right now, as we stand, as we sing?